In our fourth episode for the fifth season, I'll be chatting with Vinaya Springer. Vinaya is an ex CSAPR from the FY08 cohort and now is a Senior System Engineering Manager for the U.S.'s premier companies. We talk about giving yourself grace and space, identifying your superpower, and many other interesting topics. Enjoy. Vinaya, great to see you. You as well, man. How are you doing? Fantastic, fantastic. So before we hop into it, something you don't know about me, right? My dad is an immigrant. He's from Australia. Okay. He came to the States years ago, right? And being uncredentialed and being an immigrant, you have to do a lot of things to find a job. So most of them go down the entrepreneurial path. My dad owned restaurants. So if he owned restaurants, that means Nick worked in the restaurants. (laughs) So I never wanted to get in the restaurant business, but my dad always had some nuggets of wisdom, like, you know, cut the onion this way and don't do that. But he had some really good ones as well. And one of the ones, one of the things I want to share with you for the basis of this episode is he used to tell me one thing and it really struck me and it goes like this, Nick, to cook great food, you first must experience great food. Hmm. And I always love that quote, but I'd like to extend it in the leadership realm, something you're in, to be a great leader, first you must experience great leadership. And yeah, I'd like to throw it back to you to get your thoughts. Yeah, no, man, I, I, so I appreciate the little lessons learned about Nick. I didn't know that. Um, so uh, next time we get up, man, I'm going to be expecting you to cook a good meal or to get that invite. <laughs> um, but the statement itself is so profound, but so real in the same respect, Nick. Um, I didn't plot out on my journey at the beginning of my leadership journey to go into leadership. That was never my thought. When I um, graduated from CSAP, uh, went through the different various places that I did from a job perspective and then found myself um, in the field eventually. At that period of time, I probably had about 10 different engineering leaders. And so I just thought this was just the way that this company operates um, and just get in where you fit in there. And um, it was my first leader that I had in the field um, and she was a, a woman. And she was awesome. And she was the first example of what real leadership was and just how she empowered me, empowered me, motivated me, inspired me. Um, and so, you know, to cook great food, you first need, you know, need to experience great, uh, great, uh, great food, right? In order to be a great leader, you need to be able to experience great leadership. And for her, that was my first experience. And that was what got my palate wet in regards to wanting to go down a leadership path. It's a really thoughtful message, especially, you know, being a woman in this space as well in the technology industry. It's it's seeing where you could be in 10 years that really can drive someone where they want to be. So, yeah, definitely, definitely resonate with that. Um, but, Vinaya, where does this podcast find you? Yeah, I am joining you from the, the sunny state of Maryland. I uh, live 20, 25 minutes outside of, of D.C. So oftentimes you hear D.C., Maryland, Virginia or DMV. It is not the you know Department of Motor Vehicles. It is the actual D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area. That's where I am, man. Yeah, the land of lacrosse and crab cakes. Emphasis on the crab cakes. I don't know much about lacrosse, but... Um, so, Vinaya, let's bust right into it. How did you find your way into CSAP? What did your journey look like for you during... And I want to call something out here for the listeners. So, Vinaya actually was in CSAP during the 2008 financial recession. So, I'm going to give it back to her, and she's going to give you some context around that, but... Vinaya, how'd you find your way into CSAP? Yeah, that's a really great question. I always love telling this story. Um, And so I I tell this story dating back to my time in high school. 
high school for me, it was all about overachieving. You know, I, I played basketball four years, varsity. I was a little bit of a nerd, if you will. And so math and science were, were my thing. But I took school extremely serious. And so for me, I, I maintained a high GPA. I was, you know, involved in so many different extracurricular activities. Um, and with that being said, I, I felt as though I put myself in a really great position um, to, to get into my dream school at that period of time, which was UNC. I just wanted to go to college, make sure I, I did something or, or majored in something that was going to have a really big financial output and pay to it and something that I was, I, I was going to enjoy, right? And going to a school I was going to enjoy, you know, based off of, you know, my background with military, um, being able to adapt to new uh, new places and, and changing, et cetera. The difference that was there is that even with the different places we lived in it, there was some form of diverse aspect to it, right? Um, there was some form of not necessarily being the only. However, you still had your own sense of community. And so for me, that really started taking impact into what decision I was going to make. I decided to go down a route for various reasons of attending an HBCU, a historically black college and university. And I made the decision to go to North Carolina A&T. They had one of the best engineering programs, not just within the HBCU aspect of it, but also within, you know, just top tier um, schools in regards to engineering. I tell that story because college was a night and day difference from everything I knew the first 18 years of my life. You know, here I am now, a freshman in college, my first semester, everything's clicking. I had a 3.75. I'm in the engineering program, studying a, um, a computer engineering at that period of time. I was starting to play basketball because I felt like, you know, I can still tap into playing basketball for A&T. And so it was a lot that I was juggling. You fast forward to the second semester, there was a couple of things that transpired personally. And so I, I made a very unwise decision to just attend the first two weeks of class and that was it. I was flunking out and didn't realize that I was flunking out. I lost all my scholarships. I lost all my grants. And so with that being said, I, I ended up spending an additional four years in school. I was that five-year person and I was thankful to just graduate, uh, fortunately, with a 2.8. I always tell that story because there's a couple of things that are there. It's, it's all about being the underdog and overcoming, which growing up in Newport News, Virginia was all about. It, it included adapting, you know, to different environments and changes because I was a military brat. And most importantly, how you make the most out of out of something that you that you were dealt and handed. Um, I got presented, you know, with potentially the opportunity to interview for the CSAT program, knowing that it was a long shot, being told that it was going to be a long shot because of my GPA. But if I could find a way to tell my story in an artful manner, you, you have a chance. And so that's exactly what happened. I, I got into CSAP, you know, towards the very end of it by the, by the very grace of God, to be honest with you. But I did not look back, you know, since, since that period of time. And so my approach of how I got to CSAP was completely different than many, right? And so you mentioned lastly in regards to the recession, right? Yet another instance where you have to be able to adapt and to change. Going through the recession for me wasn't exactly something that, you know, I wish on, on anyone to have to go through, especially it being the first time it happened in such a very long time. But I was able to adapt a lot quicker than most that were coming out of school going into, you know, corporate America because change for me was just something I became comfortable with and I just adapted to. Hopefully that, that addresses fully the question that you asked. Yeah, but yeah, the one thing that strikes me is that you went to from riches to rags. Usually it's 
people go from rags to riches where they go <laughs> up and to the right when they're a great student in high school. They usually kind of ride that wave. But with you, you had that step back and that that it's a bump in the road. Let's be honest. Yeah. It's not the end yeah. all be all. So but the two things that I really like about this story is that your ability to kind of reengage and adapt and tap into, you know, I'll, I'll, I don't want to bet on myself a lot, but I'm going to have to and I'll do it I'm again and again. Yeah. <laughs> and then within CSAP, same thing. It's just, all right, I guess I have to, I guess there's no one else to bet on. That job that I was betting on is not there. So here's the bet again, the tried and true old faithful, which is Vinaya. Agreed. It's crazy you said old faithful because my license plate actually is faithful. And the reason why that is, is because there's so much that's gone in my life and, and story of such. And when, when no one else, you know, believed in me, I had to keep the faith in myself. And so a lot of people ask me all the time when they stop, you know, why is your car named faithful? And what does that mean? I'm like, you know, if you got some time, you know, let's talk about it because it, there's a story that's behind it. It's not just to have a license plate to have a license plate. So now fast forward, right? You're a successful systems engineer for one of the best companies, Cisco. Um, but everyone fails at some point. Can you talk about a time in your leadership journey where you fell short or didn't achieve your goals? And how did you pick yourself back up and overcame that setback? Yeah, no, another great question. So first, I appreciate you, you know, thinking of me as being successful. Um, I feel as though for myself being my, my biggest fan and biggest advocate, but also my worst enemy at times, I feel like I, I'm still on, on, on my journey to defining what successful, you know, leadership looks like. So I had quite a few, you know, Nick and, and I think any leader, whether it's at Cisco or anywhere else has had quite a few, uh, failures, if you will, that they've had to learn from and, and overcome. One of the things I always tell people, especially those that are interested in going to leadership, is that the best leaders at Cisco had to figure it out. There is no no guidebook. There's no how to be, you know, the best leader at Cisco, you know, manual that exists. And so what he did was he put up bumpers and said, you know what, as a beginning leader, I'm going to put up the guides, right? I'm going to put up the bumper so that way you're going to bump your head every now and then. You're going to push against the rail every now and then, but I'm not going to let you fall off. And so um, at the beginning, I was super passionate, right? I, I just knew I could have an impact on people, um, but I didn't necessarily know being in a sales organization what it meant to be a true thought-provoking sales leader. And so for me, I, I summarized that by saying um, a lot transpired, right? And not just from a leadership perspective, a lot a lot of changes transpired individual contributor wise. Um, and so I spent a lot of times focusing on the things that simply put, um, Nick, were just not in my control. They were not. And I was stressing myself out. Um, I had a lot of anxiety issues at that period of time. I stopped taking care of myself mentally and physically. So what did I do? You know, how did I pick myself? Well, first of all, Nick, I allowed myself to have the space to deal with the changes. I needed to mentally be there right and be present i have this thing in philosophy where your team is no good um and can't follow you if you mentally just aren't in the game and when that leader is not making the, that contribution other ways your team can see that and so i gave myself the space to deal with the changes i started focusing on what was in my control my people are in my control but how can i start putting people in places to be successful and empowering them so AMs, I started empowering them to be team leads, working with them in regards to forecasting, working with them in regards to building the right relationships. The second thing is, is that 
because of my short tenure of being an engineer in the field and working with AMs, I really didn't have a lot of years underneath my belt of really being able to experience what it was to run a business. And so I shortchanged that by going to get my MBA, Nick. Just short, quick, simple, and, and to the point. I went to College Park for a year and a half. I I got, you know, a down and dirty, you know, inside view into just people leadership, people management, change agents, et cetera, and IT. And combined with that was able to turn something that seemed as a failure into a challenge and then interpret that into being successful long term. You know, the old saying, uh, no one bats a thousand. So it is one of those things where, especially on that engineering side that, yeah, you, you understand being the CTO of your business. You understand how technology works the nuts and bolts, features and speeds, right? But at the end of the day, it's those outcomes, that business outcome that the hard that's hard to enable. Um, and that's something that CSAP doesn't teach the engineers, or it does, but it's hard to learn on the fly, trying to maintain yourself. Um, and then something I'd like to call out too, Vinay, is the fact that you strike me as someone who's really thoughtful, but within that thoughtfulness leads a, a sense of like vulnerability and that you can't say no. And that kind of dovetails nicely into our next question about imposter syndrome, right? So a function of not being able to say no is usually that you want to prove yourself and that you want to prove yourself usually come boils down to you feel like you don't really belong in some instances. So for the, for the listeners, Vignette, can you explain what imposter syndrome is? And in the beginning of your career, you, something that, it's something that shaped you. So how did you deal with those intrusive thoughts as you move through, as you move forward? For me, imposter syndrome is all about self-doubt, Nick. Self-doubt is something that, you know, not only just thinking that you're not smart enough, that you don't have the ability, but like you also said, self-doubting yourself and thinking you belong. And so now when you ducktail what that is and what that was for me, when I entered in CSAP, that was the first thing day one right? No one tells you about what it's like to go from, you know, being at a predominantly black institution to going into corporate America where you are now the minority again. That's imposter syndrome within imposter syndrome within imposter syndrome. I think the second thing is, is that couple that with being a woman, no one tells you that, you know, you you see it, you kind of know it, especially with my engineering degree um, and going through that. There was enough visits to different corporations to know that this is a a white male dominated industry. And so how are you, you know, this black female going to adapt to such? And so that was something that at the beginning, I think, was triggering from an imposter syndrome perspective that I didn't turn on its head over time. And then on top of that, you didn't graduate top of your class, right? And a lot of people don't even know about your school, let alone what an HBCU is. And so, you know, now, um, you know, it's one of those things that I look at where it was that inner voice that I was listening to a bit too much at the beginning. And for me, I was listening to that voice that says you don't belong here, that you're not good enough, that you're not qualified, that, you know, you got in last minute. So what does that say versus that voice that's like, you know, you know what, there's a reason why you're here. You need to explore what that reason is and and why, and then be able to turn that into its head. And so I started turning imposter syndrome into something that um, I don't want to deal with into something that was a motivating factor for something I want to deal with, right? I relied on my village. I had a core group of friends that knew my story, knew my upbringing, knew my journey in college, knew that I got into Cisco, and were just like, yo, you belong. 
regardless of whatever you feel and whatever you say, you belong. My family was extremely supportive of me, you know, checking in on me continuously because that was the first time living on my own. And CSAP as well, I had a, we had a core group. We had a core group of people that studied together, that encouraged each other, that motivated each other. That core group was so, to this day, we're a family now. We always are checking in on each other because we knew what we all went through at that period of time. How the world just flip-flopped upside down and there was no real guidance on how to, to navigate this. And so we had to lean on each other. The second thing, and this is where I'll stop at, is I stopped listening to that inner voice that that doubted itself. I stopped listening to the voice that said, you know, Vinaya, you do not belong here. I stopped listening to that voice and started listening to the voice that became my biggest fan and my biggest cheerleader. Now, again, I'm a big believer that regardless of where you are in your life and in a company, career journey, whatever the case is, imposter syndrome is not going to go away. I've started listening to the voice that quiets down that imposter syndrome and started listening to the voice that flipped it on its head and, and turned that challenge into something that I can use as as empowering and potential. What's interesting there, Vinay, is the fact that it always goes back to your story of like betting on yourself and that old faithful type of narrative. Like at the end of the day, the old, the same, the person's still going to be there. And it's like, you've been there before with the imposter syndrome. And I really like the fact that you called out that, hey, at the end of the day, imposter syndrome is going to be in your back pocket and she or he will be there always kind of trying to tear you down. And that, and those are intrusive thoughts. And so what I'm seeing, what I'm sensing from you is that, you know, building that tribe, that connected network, and then just trying to have that inner, that inner dialogue of like, you know what, you do belong and you could still keep on striving for it, no matter how loud that voice gets. You just get bigger. One thing I want to double click on, you mentioned this in your previous answer was the fact that in the room, you were unique in the sense that you were the only person like you in the room, like phenotypical wise. So I'm referring to, you know, being a person of color and a woman in the technology space. So what internal dialogues did you have with yourself when first starting out in the role? And one thing I want to call out too, Vinay, is that on your LinkedIn, it says, empower a girl and she'll change the world. Say more. I think going back to first part of it, as far as, you know, being a person of color, being a woman, being in technology, I used to tell myself, you know, that being black and being a woman was a disadvantage in corporate America. And so, you know, using that as a way of turning that disadvantage into an advantage, find ways to bring in different perspectives to the table. You know, it's crazy. I always double click into this that what we call now diversity and inclusion now in 2023 in 2008, which is roughly 15 years ago, it didn't feel like that, right? It, it felt like it was more of a checkbox conversation versus it being something that we actually practice what we preach in real life. And so early on, you know, you, you always question, am I a checkbox? Did I get here because I'm black and because I'm a woman? And, you know, to this day, I always think about where I was mentally when I was going, you know, applying for CSAP, being in Raleigh and going through the interview process looking to the left and looking to the right and not seeing a lot of people of color. So I always had to use to tell myself, you're worth it. You belong. You make a mistake, buttercup, get back up, right? You are smart, you are kind, and you are worth it. So that's the first part, Nick. I think the last part in regards to, you know, the quote that you mentioned is crazy because that came back from my first leader when I was starting at Cisco. My uh, first leader in the field who actually used, was a, a white woman made me feel like I belonged. She made me feel like I, I was visible. She made me feel like not only was I going to be successful here in this job, 
but there was way more that she saw in me than I saw in myself at that period of time. She understood, of course, what it was to be a woman navigating engineering and trying to be successful. She went out her way, you know, time and time again to encourage me, to motivate me, to inspire me, to empower me. And once, you know, it was all said and done, and then I eventually moved into leadership, her marching orders then were, now it's your turn to go out there and empower more women. And so empowering women to bring that emotion, right? Empowering women to match them emotions with the facts, to bring the intellect, you know, into the into a sometimes emotionless environment. I'm a big believer that bringing women, people of diverse backgrounds, you know, really changes the narrative in regards to bringing different types of perspectives and opinions to the table versus it being the same stuff, different day, if you will, and if you catch my drift on that. So, you know, sometimes people can say, you know, this is, this can be a little bit uncomfortable, but it's a dialogue that's necessary to happen. And so I never shy away from something like that because there's a reason why you ask that, right? And then it shows a lot about you, Nick, and how you operate that even if I don't understand, I want to be able to build another perspective. One of the hard truths that you have to understand is that you can only carry yourself so far, right? And there's a really cool study in positive psychology around the Pygmalion effect. And the Pygmalion effect is a, it's basically a cognitive bias that teachers will basically give a lot more attention to students who resemble them and those students will do better, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So in, in your case, it, it, it stems, it goes into the corporate world as well. You know, the Pygmalion effect is alive and well. Um, and it wasn't until you had a woman leader to really tap into who V was, and now you are where you are today, um, obviously with grit, determination, and talent, but with that little bit of a helping hand as well. Vignette, you have a Rolodex of people who really leaned in and gave you um, some information and helpful tips and basically vouched for you on your behalf. Going into leadership, you know, what, what brought you to that? Was it the fact that you saw the positive change in people? Or was it the fact that tactically you think you could do or you you know that you could do a really good job of moving the company forward? Or is it a combination of both? Actually, none of the above, man. I, I what drew me into leadership is because I didn't see anyone who looked like me. While I was fortunate to have a woman boss, she was one of few in the engineering leadership world. So for me, my my pure motivation was, you know what? I don't want someone who who has a similar background or experiences or not a similar background experiences, but still at the end of the day as a person of color to go through some of the things that I went through when I was coming up um, in, in, in my professional journey. And so if I can just get in the door and I can just have that seat, oh, I'm busting through the walls and I'm changing all this stuff up, right? Because I wanted others to see that you too can be a leader. It's something that you really do want and you don't have to fit into this mold. And so I saw that, you know what, if I continue to sit on the sideline, I too am part of the problem but not part of the solution. I can't sit here and complain about the lack of this and lack of that. If I don't try to tap into what my God-given gifts are, what my superpowers are, and try to change the narrative. Above all else, Nick, you all demand to be treated like a person first. And because of such, that is my protest. That is my swim lane. That is why I'm in leadership still. And that's why, you know, I'm going to continue to go down this route 
until, you know, my, 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 my day is called and the job is done for me and I need to hand the baton off to someone else. Yeah, yeah, I think you embodied the uh, Gandhi quote of be the change you want to see in the world. You saw a need that needed to be addressed and you decided to use your talent, your skills, your experience. And I think that's a really good commentary on like how to use yourself as a, as a, as a tool or fulcrum point to get to where you're, you're planting trees that other people that you won't be able to sit underneath. Agreed. Right. Agreed. And, you know, coming from my generation, I really appreciate that. But that, that's, another, that's another talk show. But that that's a really good uh, analogy or that's a, a, the story that you had there is just it's powerful in that sense that you understand the, the global mission mm-hmm. of just understanding that there's going to be other people be after you. Right. And it's good to leave the place clean when you leave the party. Great. You, yes, sir. <laughs> uh, well, shifting gears, yeah, you've achieved a lot in your career professionally and personally. What advice do you have for people who are just starting out and want to progress in their own careers? And how can they best position themselves for growth and advances within the professional career? When you're first starting out, you know, and you want to progress, I always tell people that give yourself grace and space to make mistakes. CSAP life in itself is not set up for you to fail, okay? Yes, there are circumstances and environments that impact society itself that can impact that. But I'm a big big believer that even when you fall off the horse, there still exists that ability to get back on it. However, you got to give yourself the grace and the space and the capacity to deal with it first. I mentioned this leadership academy, you know, that I went to and a couple of things that we learned about. There was a session that focused on superpowers. In reality, what they were talking about are the things that you possess, the skill sets that you yield and that you give off that are so compelling, that are so transformational, right? That are just your brand, your value, your worth that are, again, irreplaceable, right? And they challenge us to start thinking about what what are your superpowers? So I'm thinking to myself, oh, you guys mean business and technical and, you know, all the other stuff. No, they meant what are your superpowers as a person? Whatever it is, it is life. And so within life, you are always demonstrating some sort of superpower. And so when they put it to me that way, I said, oh, okay, well, my friends always come to me for a safe space to be able to tell them the truth. I'm a person that is okay with being transparent because I want you to feel like you can be transparent with me, right? So superpower number one is the ability to be transparent. The second thing is the ability to be authentic. When I think about my life, I'm black, I'm female, and I'm gay. And those are things that I don't have the luxury of turning off or on, right? Um, Those are things that when I leave work, it's the same. When I come to work, it's the same. And so when I really started accepting those those things and accepting the fact that you are a representation of so many different communities and, and spaces and places, and that is the chemical makeup of you being authentic, and then you take that and combine that with a superpower being transparent, and if I don't show up as my true, unapologetic, authentic self, then I'm first doing a disservice to myself, second of all, doing a disservice to you. Last thing, and this is where I'll stop at, We live in a time where I need to be able to address Nick as the person first. I need to be able to be okay with Nick showing up as his true self and Vinaya showing up as her true self. And I also need to be able to create that space for Nick to be vulnerable. So my superpowers are transparency, authenticity, and being able to be my vulnerable true self. 
I am okay with telling you what I know, Nick, and what I don't know, Nick. However, I have had experiences, right? I have gone through enough in 38 years to be able to give you a perspective. And that means that, again, putting your ego aside and being vulnerable is the only way to get through it. So hopefully that gives you some insights. But understanding your superpowers and being able to give yourself grace and space. There's so many other things I can talk about, but I know we're running out of time. But, you know, those are, are two things that I'll, I'll end off with. But yeah, I mean, the grace and space thing, when we first talk about that initially, I, I mean, I use that. I might tattoo that on my forehead because <laughs> that that is just such a great for young people to hear. Like, you know, in, being in CSAC, we just beat ourselves up. And that grace and space, like that ability to give yourself a chance to rebound and breathe. And like, oh, my God, that question was dumb. And I said it to a senior leader, like, there goes my job. And then the other thing I like to double click on, too, is the superpower thing. I mean, yeah, at first it's like it sounds platitudinal, but then you really hone in on it and you you start seeing the world give you hints. Like, for example, your friends are coming to you and you're like, OK, that there might be something there. Right. The the world would give you clues on who you are. So two two great points, grace and space and then understanding your superpower. But with that, Vinaya, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. I really enjoyed the conversation and. Congrats on all your success and future success. No, thank you, man. You've been an awesome presenter, awesome host. Whatever you need in the future, holler to all the CSAPers listening. It This too shall pass. You will get through it. And above all else, have fun. These are the best years of your life. Enjoy it. And then on, on at the end of the day, uh, we'll celebrate the small wins and we'll celebrate the big wins and we'll keep it moving. Thank you, man. Got it, man.